0: This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. For injured Alabama quarterback Tua Tungavailoa,
1: what's the next move? Should he now go back to Tuscaloosa, play another year and show everybody that he is super healthy?
2: I think he'd go back. It's Larry Walker's final year on the ballot. Will he make the Hall of Fame? Is the only hang-up course field.
1: The numbers are there. The road numbers are there. Drew and Julie talk AFC West quarterbacks. It's become embarrassing. So you're fourth in the quarterback derby, and it's the most important position in sports, the quarterback. I'm not ready to give
2: up on Philip Rivers, by the way.
0: And CU Buffs basketball head coach, Tad Boyle. I think coaching, you're you are fighting human nature a lot of times. Um, a basketball team, you've got to have the unselfishness. You've got to have the sacrifice. You've got to have the caring of each other. And I, to me, that's what great teams have. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman.
2: What are you laughing at? Welcome
0: to the uh, 19th edition of the Drew
1: Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. The reason I'm laughing right now is we're on, what is this called, Twitter Live? We're doing a little Twitter Live hit, and Julie looks like she's emerging, (laughs) which she's not, from her bathroom, and you're doing this to add light?
2: We did this to add light. As you know, we taped this in my bedroom for the better acoustics, and we need more light. We're so still going with that story, right? Yeah. It okay. <laughs> just sounds better. <laughs> so I'm opening this up. Yeah. Every time I do this, I'm like, wow, this is where my life is right now? Like, yeah. you know.
1: And, and you said you hadn't cleaned that vent in 15 years out right. there. We're going to close this right now. But that's that's a, a minor aside. Hey, yeah. er, every week we are brought to you by our good friends at Ideal Home Loans who, mm-hmm. listen, <laughs> you, you got to go and get your uh, – your house refinance right now cuz rates are unbelievable but we'll talk more about ideal home loans a little bit later on also you can you know it's the holiday season um the book that I did with Ben Hockman you can go get that at the Drew Goodman uh, drewgoodmanpodcast.com com. and you get autographed and you get an autographed copy as right. well and right. uh, and we'll mail it back to you you won't you know it's not i just won't throw it on the you know in Julie's bathroom and keep <laughs> collecting dust in there right so we have that uh, going as well uh, almost happy thanksgiving but not quite.
2: It's my favorite holiday. What about you? It's food, family, and fun. Do you know what? I've never
1: ranked the holidays. Let's do it. We could do that. I'm, I think I'm with you. I love Thanksgiving because it combines two things that I love. I'm really good at eating, uh-huh. and I really like turkey. And I like, it used to be we used to play the turkey ball, mm-hmm. especially back in the old days in, in New York, and, and on occasion I'd go back there. And I think so many, so many people have a turkey ball. And there's co-ed turkey bowls and there's I mean, that's part of that's that's like a slice of Americana. You get up, you go play turkey bowl, and right. um you know, you, then you have to probably ice down and then you eat like a pig. And can then you I, watch football.
2: Can I just throw something in there? We just did a story, it's gonna air on channel nine for Adams County Fire Rescue on you know that you're not supposed to put a frozen turkey in the turkey fryer. Yes. So we did that story where we yeah. did this is what happens if you do that. It's amazing. So there's a big, you know, fireball and so that's going to be on channel 9 on Tuesday and Thanksgiving. But the people still do that. Like don't you know? Not by every every year they're like don't put the turkey in the turkey fryer? Never, and people still do that.
1: Never underestimate how foolish people are when it comes to food and kitchen gadgets.
2: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Have you ever done that?
1: Oh, I've- yeah, several times. We had, <laughs> we had. let me think, we had, no, no, I've never done that. I've, I have fried chick or fried turkey It's unbelievable. Twice, we have a fryer at home. Uh-huh. Twice we've done it. We haven't done it in a number of years. And the best part is the leftovers because it, you know, it stays juicy. We're talking about turkey. Yeah, really. I know. It stays juicy. Anyhow, we're, I'm going to segue. I don't know how I'm going to do this. <laughs> to the injury to um, Tua, uh, because I don't have it in front of me. And I haven't practiced it because I haven't had Alabama in football, but to his injury, scary, he hurts his hip mm-hmm. and then he has you know surgery and there there there's a twofold question: One, I'm going to have a little humor with this, and it's not funny, but um, my question for you is, should he come out next April, even though he will still be probably rehabbing from his hip injury? Or should he now go back to Tuscaloosa, play another year and show everybody that he is super healthy?
2: Again? Is there a consensus about how much he would drop? I kinda of, I've seen it kind of all over the place. I think it depends on where people think he's gonna drop. If he's gonna drop significantly, and by dropping significantly, we're talking about dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Then but,
1: but what but Julie, what in your mind, and I don't know what what I don't, I haven't read. Out a of the ton top ten. Okay. He would he he may he may, but Uh, My contention is, and tell me if you agree with this, he has already put enough in terms of a body of work together as a college football player that has warranted, if he didn't get hurt, being maybe the number one pick, if not the number one pick, as you said, a top five or ten pick. All he would do is risk more injury by going back Tuscaloose now he got yeah he but that's an injury a,
2: he that was a pretty big injury right yeah. so there's gonna be all kinds of questions um I think if he drops out of the top 10 I think you go back
1: really yeah you you'll, you'll have a pretty significant insurance policy if he doesn't already I don't mm-hmm. know if if he does I know immediately people said Bo Jackson injury because it's dislocated hip um they said it was a successful surgery and that made me chuckle how many times I mean athletes are having surgery every single day right and we always read you know, it was a you know, successful knee surgery, successful elbow surgery, successful Tommy John surgery. When is somebody going to say, "You know what?" We screwed it up. We thought it was his right knee, it was his left <laughs> knee, and I left a scalpel in there. Oh, right. It was completely an unsuccessful surgery. We blew the whole damn thing.,
2: uh, that'd be never. But that's right. a great point. It's always, he had successful surgery on Tuesday. It's right. never, yeah, it didn't really go well. We're going to go for I, it again on Thursday. I
1: was having an off day. I had a hand <laughs> tremor. I meant to slice one tendon. I sliced three other tendons.
2: We, doesn't don't, we don't hear that. No, we does not Well, thank God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Thank God. Uh, speaking of college sports, we are going to talk to Tad Boyle a little bit later in the show. You had a chance to sit down with him. I'm partial to Tad because he went to KU, obviously. I really like Tad Boyle as a coach. I right. think he's. Rock Rock
1: Chuck, Chalk, Rock Chalk. Jay- Rock Chuck. Rock Chuck mm-hmm. Chalk Hill.
2: Yeah, he's a good guy.
1: He's a great guy. He is a great guy. He's a Coloradan who went to KU. Yeah. Captain. He's yep. on the same team with uh, Danny Manning, right? Yeah. Yeah. hmm I love Tad. So we'll talk to Tad later on. And they're they're his team, really good.
2: Three and at the time of this really taping. Really good. Yep. Really and into good. the top twenty five.
1: Twenty yeah, third. twenty third uh in the nation. Julie.
2: Drew, what's your middle name? Ian. Is it really? Yeah. When you get in trouble, did your parents used to say Drew Ian?
1: No, I mean that's a you know that's a cliche. I don't ever remember being called Drew Ian.
2: Who were you named after?
1: That's a great question.
2: I don't know. I got <laughs> to ask my dad.
1: Up. I don't know. I've never I've never wondered that. You never asked. No. Who were you named after?
2: Um, my uncle Jack. I was supposed to be supposed Jack, to be but I was a Julie. <laughs> I think so.
1: Why weren't yeah. you Jill? Like We didn't get Jack, we got Jill. What? What's your middle name? Eileen. Eileen, mm-hmm. really? As in, we're, come on, Eileen. Come on, Eileen. What now? Where did that come from?
2: I don't know. I just realized that. It's a family so you, thing.
1: You and I both have homework for next week. We have to find out how the hell we were named. Why? Were, at least you know your first name.
2: Right. Okay, so why were you calling me Julie?
1: Um, Because it's your name. I, oh, because I was segueing to our next thing. We like hit a pause button in the, the podcast. <laughs> um, the Hall of Fame ballots for Major League Baseball came out. And that's a big deal. I, I it, What I'm about to say is not to diminish the importance of the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, um, the Basketball Hall of Fame, which encompasses college and and professional basketball in Springfield, Massachusetts, you know, the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto, um, I believe it's in Toronto. It is. Yeah. Um, it, it's not to diminish those three halls.
2: But you're just about to. There's something
1: – baseball, I think, it is very, very particular about letting people in. It's not like every year they're going to have a class. And this year's class is headlined by Derek Jeter. Now, last year, for the first time ever, we had a unanimous selection. It was a, It was his teammate, right? It was Mariano Rivera. This year, Derek Jeter probably will be, because now precedence has been set, he'll probably be a unanimous choice. There is no other guy on the ballot because of PEDs that you go slam dunk, slam the gavel down, he's in. You know, Barry Bond's on there, Sammy Sosa's on there. Everybody has, you know, something attached to them that is a negative when you talk about the guys that would seemingly be no-brainers. That gets us to former rocky larry walker who's now eligible for the 10th and final year.
2: You know, I did a lot of reading on this and I feel like there's a number of people that think this is going to be it that he's going to get in because of the guys that have dropped off. Do you think so? I
1: I think and, and I don't know Julie, I think there's a lot of momentum for him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because well we're here in Denver and there's some, you know, local guys um You know, guys who are with the local chapter of Sabre who've really been, uh, you know, pushing uh, his stats and trying to to debunk the theory that, oh, well, he's just a Coors Field creation. In fact, he has a higher lifetime war, wins above replacement, which is one of the, you know, main measurements, if you will, of a player's, you know, talent level and importance. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: He has a higher war than Derek Jeter. And 70% of his games were played outside of Coors Field. He has a higher, so I came armed with some stats, Julia. Right? Okay. I know we don't normally just go talk stats. He has a higher road OPS on base percentage plus slugging. Again, one of the metrics that, you know, Analy- analysts in baseball and analytic freaks are slaves to, and, and front offices as well, as opposed to just home runs and RBIs and batting average, which is now kind of more a little more passe, right? So in terms of OPS, road OPS, 865 in his career, higher than Hall of Famers Ken Griffey, Reggie Jackson, wow. George Brett, Tony Gwynn, Roberto Clemente, Willie Stargill, Al Kaline, to name a few.
2: So is the only hang up that is a wide, wow.
1: You just said it. That that's is a wow. wow.
2: That's a wow. That's that's some amazing names. Is the only hang up course field, Coors or is feet. but but is it? It's the baseball writers which I want to get to. I yeah. think, or is it um something against a Larry Walker?
1: Well, Larry, listen, Larry. The other knock on Larry was he he never. Was one of those guys that always, you know, played 158 games or, or, you know, ever played 162? Big man, 6'3", 240 pounds, and he, and he got injured. But here's another thing: he played in. Where's my little cheat sheet note? He played in 70 78 uh, percent of his team's games in his career, right? Right. Ken Griffey Jr who's you know was a first ballot as he should be hall of famer played in 76% of his team's games. So those two you know shots that people take at him O'Course Field O'Course Field mm-hmm. and well he didn't play he wasn't one of those guys that always was playing 150 plus games. Listen, the numbers are there, the road numbers are there. The fact that he played and dominated for a significant period of time in in five tools. you know, He was a great right fielder, phenomenal right fielder, stole 230 bases.
2: Phenomenal right fielder at Coors Field.
1: At Coors Field. You right, know, if, if which means at, something. Yeah, and that's a wonderful point, Julie, because we always want to take away from what guys do at Coors Field, position players. But we never give credit for having to play in the vastness of the outfield right. or even for the pitchers. You know, when, when a guy has a, you know, a, a tremendous year at Coors Field. Larry Walker, I'm hoping. It, it. It's unusual to jump. He's in the 50 percentile and a little above that. He has to jump over 75 percent. I'm with you. I think it can be done. I think people are look. the voters are looking at it differently. And I, man, I will be so excited if he gets in. He deserves to be in. Wouldn't that be awesome, the first Rocky?
2: I know it should be Todd Hilton, but I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. Well, Todd's on,
1: you know, Todd, Todd, he's on the ballot. Yeah, he's on the ballot. We'll see right. what kind of votes he gets.
2: So you don't get a vote, nor do any broadcasters get a vote. This is a, a writer's deal.
1: Yeah, BBWA.
2: Will it always be like that?
1: I hope not. The The Hall of Famers vote also. I mm-hmm. hope not. And, yeah. I, and I say this with the bias of I'm a broadcaster, I don't get to vote. But one of the issues I have, and and. The baseball writers association is cleaning this up some. It used to be people were voting who were columnists or retired, weren't even going to games anymore, yet they'd still have a vote. Mm-hmm. I think it should be um, you know, the baseball writers who who are on the beat currently, not somebody who wanders in and maybe writes a column once a month. So
2: like a Patrick Patrick Saunders. Absolutely. From the absolutely Post. Patrick.
1: Yeah. Patrick's there every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. But I, but I do think it should include radio and television broadcasters because we are there every single day, right? And we can't miss a pitch. Sometimes writers miss pitches. Yeah, you know, maybe they're kibitzing. Maybe they're eating. Right? <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm giving the writers a hard time, but they deserve vote. The beat writers deserve a vote. Broadcasters, I hope one day are included.
2: You know, it would be interesting to see: is the bias against course field going to be stronger than the bias against PEDs? Like a Barry Bonds, or hey, that's that's
1: also wonderful. I never I thought mean... of it in those terms. You're right. I mean, it's almost like well, we're not we're not putting Barry Bonds in because you know PEDs. Roger Clemens, check him off. Coors mm-hmm. Field, move him out. So if you play for Colorado, um, you're not eligible for certain awards, right? I mean, that's basically what they're saying. Right. Some and people the, think that way.
2: And it's vastly different. To me, PEDs and where you play is vastly right. different.
1: So, what do you have to hit? If you hit 600 and slug 1,800, we'll go, oh, that's so darn good. We'll allow for the fact that you played at Coors Field half your games.
2: What does your gut say? Is he going to get in?
1: I'm, Julie, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think it's going to be damn close. I think he's going to be above 70%. And, and I, you have to get seventy five. You have to get seventy five. God, would that be
2: terrible? If he, yeah, yeah.
1: But but then you know, fast forward to when he goes to the veterans committee. Eventually, I think one day, whether it's you know this year or down the road, I think Larry Walker will have his day in Cooperstown.
2: I hope so. We didn't talk about this. Um, actually, we you and I we tend to talk about what we're going to talk about on the podcast. But just it's the is it the owners' meetings are going on right now.
1: Yeah, I think I think they've concluded. Okay, right. And so they
2: were talking. The big thing was what they were going to do with the Astros, right? And the yes. sign stealing. Okay.
1: Yeah, we we didn't talk about that. No. Here's my here's my take on it, and I want to hear yours. Obviously, is that when I'm at second base and I pick up the sequence of signs and I can relay it in a clandestine fashion to the hitter, like you know fastball, you know, hard saw, fastball or off speed, you know, maybe it's a turn of my head or it's or I'm giving you location. That's that is part of the game. That has always been part of the game. When you use technology, now all bets are off. Now you've gone beyond the fair doctrine. And I don't know if Houston's the only team. We we'll find out if Houston in fact did this. Mm-hmm. I would venture to guess Houston wouldn't be the only team. Right. Right. It doesn't take a genius to go, hey, let's put some cameras and you know and, well, and especially with
2: technology right now. Right. What you can do with it. Yeah.
1: But but I think I think if they found or find that they are guilty of what they've been accused of, I think Rob Manfred is going to come down swiftly and with a heavy penalty. I think you and have this, to. I you think you have, have set to. precedence. Yes. Yeah. This will not be the proverbial slap on the wrist. This won't be, you know, hey, we're going to fine you $500,000. This is going to be, they're going to lose, you know, maybe a, a first round pick, mm-hmm. a heavy fine, international money in the international pool. He's going to come down hard on them if, if, in fact, they are guilty.
2: Hey, speaking of losing, after we take a break, mm-hmm. we are going to eventually get to the Broncos and another loss by the Broncos and a loss by an ASC West rival that may turn out well for the Broncos, depending on how you look at him. But when we come back, let's check in with your interview with Tad Boyle. His team is off to a 3-0 and start, ranked number 23rd. They were the preseason pick to win the Pac-12.
1: They, they in Oregon are right there. They, they shared the same number of first place votes, and, and he has a legitimate, uh, not only shot at the Pac-12 title, but uh, they're going to. I, I, would be shocked if they're not a tournament team, and they, you know, keep your fingers crossed, could be very formidable down the road. Hey, I rarely ask people to do as I do because I don't know how safe that would be. But uh in this case I'm asking you to do as uh as I've been doing. Uh just got a new home loan with ideal home loans because they are terrific and they make it easy and they're so uh, uh Attentive to detail, you can do the same as I've done by calling 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000, Ideal Home Loans, Brent Ivinson's company. I've been involved with them for uh, several years. They're the preferred mortgage provider of the Colorado Rockies for three years uh, running. Um, They... They just are, are pleasant to deal with. They're going to give you a ton of information. They're going to make the whole process easy for you, whether you're refinancing, whether you're buying a new home, whether you're consolidating debt. Interest rates are phenomenal right now. They have a salary-based mortgage folks, so you're, you're not going to get the hard sell. It's not going to be uncomfortable. They'll come to your place of business. They'll come to your home. Whatever's easier for you. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They're terrific at what they do. That's why they have a wonderful, wonderful reputation. It's Ideal Home Loans, Brent Ivinson's company. Once again, the phone number 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. Had the pleasure of calling a couple of uh, CU basketball games over the last few days. And it also gave me the opportunity to catch up with a guy uh, that I've become uh, friends with over the years, and a guy that I have just tremendous respect for. He's one of the best coaches in college basketball, Tad Boyle. First of all, are you um, are you sleeping better?
0: I'm fine. Took me to Thursday night to finally feel normal, and uh, but boy, the, the, the jet lag is no joke. On the way back, it wasn't too bad going to Shanghai. Uh, and talking to our players, you know, uh, we gave them Monday off. We had a really light workout on Tuesday just to try to get their legs back. Did not practice well on Wednesday or Thursday. And as a typical coach, I was I was on them, and I was uh, not the nicest guy. But, you know, uh, I don't want to make excuses for our guys, but it's it's been a, a rough week for our players and our coaches kind of getting back on schedule. But uh, we're there. Uh, Friday's practice, we were back to our normal spirited selves and competitive and energy so we're finally back
1: we talked about this uh, on a previous podcast i had the good fortune being in the dominican a couple of weeks ago because my middle son was playing down there From you know we sometimes forget this is education too right the student part of the student athlete what a wonderful experience for your kids to be able to go to a a, a completely different culture not to mention it's halfway around the world
0: Absolutely. And to me, one of the greatest parts of education is is traveling. You know, you learn so much about other people, in this case, another country, and like you said, another culture. And just to see a a city the size of Shanghai, uh, really a beautiful city. I mean, it was – but the people – uh the language uh, barrier uh it was it was a, it was a great experience for our guys a very americanized city which surprised me a little bit when you think of china my my perspective on china just flipped to 180 you know from what the things you read about or maybe hear about in the media and then you go there and you see the people and you see the the humanness of uh you know they're they're battling the same things we're battling you know here and they've got a middle class there and the upper class and the lower class and uh, so it was a, it was a great, uh, great experience for our players.
1: And when you got on the floor against Arizona State, I, I had the, the pleasure of watching that game, and it probably, correct me if I'm wrong, had all of the elements of what you would like early in that you played really well, you take a significant lead, Arizona State, no I, I know they're missing some guys, no slouches, obviously, they come back and they make it a game and you guys respond. I'm, I'll let you embellish that, but uh, it, from, from my standpoint, it, it had those elements.
0: True, I would have rather just blown them out and one by thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true coach. <laughs> them coming back and making it a game was not a but in retrospect, you know, after you've won the game, you you are exactly right. You you your your team experienced, hey, what did it for us to learn, you know, and and, and again you mentioned education earlier. Education is, is learning and for our players to learn from that experience, we have to understand what got us the seventeen point lead what caused us to give it back and then what caused us to uh, extend it finish the game on on a positive note and the the hardest thing with young people is to get them to understand the importance of every possession and and i know in football the possessions are limited uh in basketball they're 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 not necessarily as limited there's you know sometimes 80 to 100 possessions a game but to get your players to value every one on both sides of the ball offensively and defensively is really a challenge because and, and that's why basketball is a game of runs and, and you saw that against Arizona State we made a run they made a run we made another run and and put them away but it was a, it was a good learning experience um, and you'd rather learn from a win than a loss obviously.
1: Yeah, you know, thinking about that, life is a game of runs because most people don't have the same purpose every single day, and the same energy, and
0: the same defined uh, goals for each day, right? Absolutely, and that's where the consistency factor uh, comes in. And, and I think there's a part of human nature. I think coaching you're 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 fighting human nature a lot of times. Um, you know, we're all human beings. If you know, I always say if you if you locked uh, if you locked our team in a room for five or six weeks and you gave them limited food and water and then you threw a couple of steaks in there, there'd be people fighting over. I mean, we're, we're selfish humans. We're survivors. And uh, a basketball team, you've got to have the unselfishness. You've got to have the sacrifice. You've got to have the caring of each other. And I, to me, that's what great teams have. And uh, But it's not in our, in our human nature. So we fight that. And uh, fatigue. When, when we get tired, we all, we all want to go get some water and 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 get some rest well you got to fight through fatigue uh, when you when that happens on the court so there's so many things in coaching and in athletics whether it's baseball whether it's basketball whether it's football where you have to fight the human nature of of uh of how we're wired
1: can this team on paper be the best uh, colorado team you've had
0: it can uh i don't know if we have a lottery pick like alec burks i don't know if we have a uh, I know we don't have a 6'5 or 6'6 six, six point guard like Spencer Dinwiddie or Derek White, um, but in terms of our depth, our quality of depth, and uh, our demeanor, our connectedness, uh, our caring about each other, our competitive nature, uh, it can definitely be. Now, you know, time will tell, and uh, it's one of the things I've talked to our team about, though. we have an opportunity in front of us. The Arizona State win was a big big win i mean i, I don't want to ever uh you know minimalize uh, that trip and and but it was just one game and the san diego game and the irvine game and as we go to vegas to play wyoming and either clemson or tcu you know every game becomes a big game and and uh especially when you've got a target on your back which we have right now but this could definitely be a special year for colorado basketball but it's only going to be that way if we make it that way and we have to take control take control of that
1: how special a player, and, and we've talked a lot about him over the last couple of years, is McKinley, right?
0: <laughs> oh, I, I've run out of adjectives, you know. I mean, he's a pleasure to coach, and, you know, I, I, I had the fortune of, of, I've had great fortune in my life being around great coaches and great players, and, uh, you know, I played with a guy named Danny Manning, who was a number one pick in the in the 1988 NBA draft and won a national championship. Pretty special college basketball player, and the best compliment I could give Danny was that he was not only a great player, but he was a great teammate. And I, I could say the same thing about McKinley Wright. A lot of times your best players aren't always great teammates. They're, they're concerned about themselves and, and their numbers. And The thing I love about McKinley Wright, he cares about one thing, and that's winning. And uh, while he does it, he's got great uh, respect and command of his teammates. And not because he's a, a bully or a, a boss. Because they respect how hard he works every single day, and he's—you uh, saw it against Arizona State, Drew, uh, when the game was on the line, and they made their run, and they tied it up. McKinley kind of took over, and uh, that's just what great players do.
1: You have you have another guy who has a special talent who who I thought improved dramatically from year one to year two in Tyler Bay. Now he's a junior. He's a first-team All Pac-12 kid, so not like he's going to sneak up on anybody. But his length and and kind of versatility is unique, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and his, he's an elite athlete, and, and we always say to, you know, to get to where you want to be in life as a professional, you have to be elite at something, um, and Tyler's an elite athlete. Now, uh, sometimes that can be a blessing, and sometimes it can be a curse, and the curse is he's been able to get away with things uh, because of his athleticism, and the higher level you go in college basketball, or certainly beyond uh, that margin for error, gets much much thinner and uh, so uh, Tyler uh, his consistency as a defender and as an offensive player is something we really challenged him with if he becomes a consistent uh, defender a consistent rim runner um, a consistent high motor guy the sky's the limit he could be as good as as he wants to be
1: I'm gonna change gears you did something this year you scheduled uh You know I'm a D3 guy, and and you know I have kids who play play D3. You have a son playing uh, at a great academic institution, in Jack at Pomona Pitzer, and and you schedule him. How cool was that experience to watch your son, uh, to to play against them?
0: It was it was uh, one of the most special days uh, for our family. Uh, My wife, his sister who goes to school here at CU, she's a sophomore. His younger brother who's a senior at Boulder High uh, it was great and then and Jack got a double double on us he got 10, 10 points and 10 defensive rebounds and played really well so yeah it was a great day for our family and uh, obviously uh, Division 3 athletics there's there's so much to be said for it and I uh, quite frankly Drew and I don't know how how you feel about it but uh, before uh, my son experienced it I didn't really have a feel for it or an appreciation for it but the, the, the level of Uh, uh, work that those kids put in academically and athletically they they want to win just like our guys want to win they they go to practice just like our guys go to practice but the difference is academically those guys are really I mean it's it's Ivy League kind of level education and uh, and and so their balance uh, their sport academic balance is a little bit better than it it is the Division One level, and I, I really respect that. And on that floor that day, there were some physics majors and some computer science majors and some economics majors. And uh, so I know how hard those kids work, and it was a, it was a special day for our family.
1: I thought, I thought it was a great thing, and and uh, I, I thought it was really neat. And I did notice Jack also had a double double, which had to be super cool for playing in a gym that uh, he has spent a, a whole lot of time. And uh, I've said this to kids I coach that you know D three athletes guess what they're lifting weights at five in the morning they're running their ass off at five in the morning they're going to practice it's not like hey you guys want to practice today it's you know it's the same commitment it's just they they typically don't have the talent level quite that that you see at the D d1 level um with mel tucker new football coach and there always seems to be especially at major universities uh some sort of you know relationship or symbiotic relationship between the head men's basketball coach and the football coach. Uh, Mel's new. You've been here a long time.
0: What kind of relationship have you guys developed? It's growing. Uh, I, I got a lot of respect for Mel. Um, we don't work in the same building, so we don't see each other very often. We see each other at, at university functions or speaking engagements or, or fundraising things, golf tournaments, that sort of thing. So I, I haven't spent a lot of time with him, but I really, really like him. I, I got some advice when I got into coaching one time from from an assistant coach that I played with for at Kansas, and he says, if you ever become a coach, a head basketball coach, you you need to be uh in in lockstep with your football coach it's, it's a very important relationship and I've always taken that to heart so you know this is the fourth football coach since I've been at, at CU I really didn't Get to know Dan Hawkins well. It was my my first year; was his last year. But I, you know, I tried uh, John Embry. I got to know uh, pretty well. A lot of respect. you Still have a good friendship today. Uh, Mike McIntyre. Uh, I think the world of him. Uh, and I and I feel the same way about Mel Tucker. I think uh, I like to watch football. Number one, I'm a college football fan, so I go to every game. I tailgate. Uh, I, I just love the experience of college football. And and I really watch their team closely. I think as a coach, you can learn from other coaches. And uh, I, one of, the, one of the things I respect about Mel is he's got a great command of his team. You can tell that his players respond to him, and uh, to me, that's that's a, that's the first sign of. Of uh, of being a great coach is they listen to what he's saying and then you know he's got he's got some some work to do recruiting wise and and uh, they've had some some ups and downs like we all do but I think he's the right guy for the job
1: absolutely and, and you talk about uh, tailgating I, I've had the pleasure of coming up three times just because I had off weekends and it worked out and so I'm in Boulder Saturday for the Stanford game first of all it's a typical Colorado day it's almost eighty degrees in November not a cloud in the sky and I'm sitting there. Tad, now I'm looking at the flat irons, and and there is not. And I'm not saying this because you coach here. Obviously, one of my boys goes here. There is not a more beautiful campus in America, and we know that. And, there, and we we have the again the good fortune of going to a lot of special places in in the country to to watch college athletics. Do 18 year olds that you recruit do they understand? Mom and dad probably understand it, but do they get when they look out there that this is pretty special?
0: I don't think so because they know it's beautiful. They see it. They see the architecture. They see the buildings on campus. They see the flat irons. They see the weather. What's great about being a basketball coach is we're bringing families to campus in September and October and November when it's when it is so beautiful. So, but I I don't think kids have that realization. I don't think I did. I grew up in this state, Drew, um, and when I grew up in this state, I didn't have an appreciation for it until I left the state and then I came back and I and I spent time in Oregon where it's gray and rainy. I spent time in the in the south where it's hot and muggy. I spent time in Wichita, Kansas, you know, where it's a little windy and, and colder or, or steaming hot. And then you come back to Colorado, and now you have the perspective of this place is awesome. And uh, so I don't think the 18-year-old – that's and I think that's the misnomer about this job, whether it's a football coaching job or the basketball coaching job, is people think – adults think, yeah, beautiful campus, beautiful – you should be able to recruit anybody here. And we feel that way, but do 18-year-old kids feel that way? I don't, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, if you're
1: recruiting the 48-year-old
0: mom or dad,
1: you go, oh, that's perfect, but it's a little more difficult this way. Hey, Tad, good luck this year, man. Okay.
0: Thank you, Drew.
2: That was the Ideal Home Loans interview of the podcast. So, you know, obviously coming from or going to KU, I love college basketball and I love everything that it does to the town and all the excitement. My question to you is this is a – it's a it's a pro town, right four four pro teams. It rarely is a college town if the if CU basketball can can keep climbing up the rankings, right? They're 23rd right now as we tape this podcast. Can the excitement because there's nothing like college basketball, can the excitement overtake the region? Can people really get into it? Are we wired that way?
1: I hope so, but it'll it'll never be. Like a ball game at, at Fog Allen, which is a college town, and I know it's you know forty minutes from Kansas City, uh, but Kansas City skews college, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it, whether it's college basketball or football, And they don't have a lot to cheer for for Rock Chalk Jayhawk lately. Thank so, you. Hey, listen, the Mad Hatter's Ever? there. The Mad Hatter's <laughs> there. <laughs> okay. They've been a lot more competitive this year. K okay. State, obviously, with especially under Bill Snyder, has had, you know, and and they're good again this year, um, but. We're we're not only a pro town, we're a Broncos town. Yep. And I know people wear that proudly. As a as a an adopted Coloradan and I think I can say that. I've been here 33 years. I love my state. I'm proud to be here. There's nowhere else I'd want to live. But the obsession with one team, especially doing what you and I do, being involved in sports, drives me nuts at times. Just being honest. It drives um, me nuts. Is that... It, it's to the exclusion of everything else going on. But
2: that's because you broadcast for the Rockies.
1: I, I used to... As you know, I, I did for a few years. I was doing the, the Broncos preseason games on right. radio for a number of years. I did the Broncos postgame show, yeah. you know, the gridiron grill.
2: Right. You know, no, and for- I did have the nuggets, but I always knew. Right. I always knew...
1: I, I did the Nuggets. Obviously, yeah. I worked worked with the Avalanche. Yeah. I, d- I don't know why there can't be shared love and shared adoration and shared excitement when a team is doing well. Now, we're talking about the four pro teams, but to, to your original observation and, and this discussion, why can't it be that way for CU basketball?
2: See, I think it can, because even just a couple years ago, um, when it was... Remember the football team, the whole rise up? It was only one season. I felt that. I felt like the region got into that. I mean, it didn't overtake the Broncos, but it was something.
1: When we roll into January and February, because Colorado, you know, they're going to, it's hard to stay unbeaten, right? You're going to mm-hmm. have a couple losses. But when UCLA or Arizona or Oregon, I don't, I don't know if they're coming to Boulder this year. I'd have to look at the schedule. When, when USC was pretty good this year, when they, when they come to town, it really, anybody in the Pac-12? Are they going to sell out? Is there going to be nine thousand people in the CU Event Center screaming from the rafters? Will the students be there?
2: I think or... you have to stay in the top twenty-five. You have to still be—you have to still be talked about.
1: Well, it, it should be that way. Mm-hmm. It absolutely should be that way. I mean, it's not that hard to drive—you know, forty-five minutes up the road and, and catch a—and a, it's a great atmosphere. And let me tell you what his team. This is one of the things I love about his team. And it'll always be this way because CU is not KU. They're not getting one-and-dones. They're not Duke. They're not Kentucky. They're not getting the one-and-done guy, the guy that's you know passing through on his way to, to being a lottery pick. And I think it can benefit them. When you look at some of the teams that have won national championships or been involved in the Final Four or championship games like Butler, they're not getting one-and-dones. They're getting four-year guys, right? Mm-hmm. Villanova, they're not getting one and dones under Jay Wright. They're they're getting good players and they're and they bond together and they're well coached and all of a sudden, you know, you have juniors and seniors playing together. That's what Tad has. Do you know he has 95% of his points back, 95% of his rebounds back from mm-hmm. a year ago? So these guys watching them play, they share the ball, they get after it. They you can tell they love each other on the floor. And oh, by the way, because now they've played together two and three years, they're really good.
2: Yeah, they've had time to grow, you know, yeah. that relationship. And how much better would it be to be somebody like a Tad Boyle as opposed to somebody at another school, Shashevsky or Bill Self, or where they're the one and dones? I mean, they get, I know their paycheck is a lot bigger. Maybe the adoration is a lot bigger. But as a coach, gosh, that's so much better to develop somebody and coach somebody. Yeah, and, and I've
1: talked to Tad about this. You know, if you have, if, you know – Jim Smith down the street is going to be a lottery pick, and he's an 18-year-old kid, and he's already been identified as you know one of these one-and-done guys. You know, Duke's at his house, and Bill Self's at his house, and you know all all the big guys are at his house. Ted's not even going to bother. And you know, if he was in Colorado, he would. If it was the next Chauncey Billups, because then you have an in. But if the kid's in Los Angeles or Las Vegas or Texas, he's not even going to bother because he's not going to get that kid. But he can get that next level of kid and say you're going to get a great education and you're going to you're going to be able to grow and there's plenty of see you guys in the nba you know spencer dinwiddie um you know who was just in town with brooklyn there's guys who are alec burks there's guys who are making an impact who played at colorado so it's not like well if you go to colorado you'll never get to the uh nba that you know that's that's clearly not true but i like how he's doing it mm-hmm. he's never going to cheat i mean he's about all the right things um, you know, you and I are both big fans of Tad. And he's one of those guys that should have a lifetime contract. He's a Colorado guy. I know he went to Lawrence. You know, he he paid his dues, was at UNC and did a terrific job up there. He's a great fit in Boulder.
2: You mentioned Los Angeles uh, about a minute or two ago, and that reminds me of What's going on with the Chargers? I still have a hard time saying Los Angeles Chargers. So Philip Rivers is taking a nosedive. The last couple games, I think he's got seven interceptions in the last couple games. I'm a I'm a fan of Philip Rivers, but he turns 38 in December, having having a very very off season. There is for as much as they appreciate what Philip Rivers did for the Chargers, there is talk that they're going to ship him out. Would you take Philip Rivers here in Denver?
1: Not based on what I've seen the last couple of weeks. i I, had seen him play uh, quite a bit of football the last couple of weeks, and he doesn't look good. All of a sudden, sometimes it happens quickly where a guy looks old all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it looked like he's lost arm strength. Mm -hmm. Um, The the ball doesn't have the same zip. The decision-making hasn't been crisp. He hasn't looked good. Now, could it be just, hey, he had two bad weeks? Possibly. But what the Broncos need going forward, Peyton Manning was different. I mean Phillip Rivers been really, really good. Yeah. Peyton, Peyton Manning is Hall of Famer. A Hall of Famer. Well, Philip might be too, actually. Well, beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, if there, if there's you know, if there's a penthouse in Canton for like the select Hall of Famers, that's where Peyton Manning belongs. And he and he, he still was younger, he had the injury thing. That was a proverbial no brainer. I would want nothing to do with Philip Rivers. He doesn't, that would be a, that would be another deal where you're just, you know, going through the turnstile.
2: So you would take Joe Flacco?
1: Well, I don't think, here, here's, this is why the near term for the Broncos Yeah, I don't even appears, know if Joe Flacco's going to be here next year. No, I, this is why it appears bleak right now. They have some talent. It's why they've been competitive in a number of games. They haven't finished games, as we well know. But look at, just look at the division, all right? The division right now is led by Kansas City. And I know they haven't been super, but they were playing without Mahomes. He's back. He He's he's the next coming, right? 19 touchdowns as we chat tonight, just two interceptions. He, he should be the face of the NFL going forward. Handsome kid, great personality, marvelous talent. Mm-hmm. So you're always going to be playing second fiddle to him. Now, for me, Julie, second in the division is Derek Carr. One hundred percent. Derek Carr, fifteen touchdowns, five interceptions. If, if you subscribe to you know different you know ratings, he's a second rated quarterback in the division. He's an upper third quarterback right now. We have in seen the him NFL. succeed
2: too. We, we know he's got it. Yes,
1: he and right. he does have a little bit of the it. Right. Mm-hmm. So then you go Philip Rivers. You you mentioned it. He's on the decline. And then you can't even point to who the Bronco guy is. Broncos have run so many quarterbacks out there the last few years. It's almost, I don't want to say almost, it's, it's become embarrassing. So, so you're I'm gonna... fourth in the quarterback derby. And yeah. it's the most important position in sports. The quarterback.
2: I'm not ready to give up on Philip Rivers. By the way, you're right, but it was always like that. We always knew that at the start at the outset of the season, even with Joe Flacco, the Broncos were fourth.
1: I know San Diego blood still runs through <laughs> you. You spent a good deal of time out in San Diego.
2: It's just been you two would, say, bad weeks. Say,
1: if they, if Anthony Lynn said, "Hey, we need to move on from Philip Rivers," and he was out there, you take Philip Rivers in Denver.
2: Yeah, over. I, I know Brandon Allen is a great story, oh, it's but hundred percent.
1: You're talking about being good. You want yeah. to be good. Forget Brandon So you're Allen. saying
2: in two weeks, Philip Rivers, everything he ever did is gone. You want to bet on that? I'm
1: betting on what he's going to be like next year when, what is he, 38?
2: It's going to be 38. No, yes. That's not a future. You said that at the that's same not time. A
1: future.
2: That's it's not a future. It's better than three and seven or whatever they are right now.
1: As John Elway said famously... There's no plan B, right? And it's about winning championships. Okay, you're not going to win a chance. San Diego right. had a lot of good teams; they couldn't win a championship. I would take and him for a still year at Rivers fault, rather just, than
2: it's a- Brandon Allen right now and Drew Locke, who they haven't thrown out there right now, and Joe Flacco, who we don't know who's going to be back. Yes,
1: you have to at some point in time. You have to, and it's not just going to be this year. You have to determine if Drew Locke is your guy, and that's that will not be fully evaluated in my mind until next year. And you have to put good pieces around him Tom Brady's been struggling lately mm-hmm. I don't think Tom Brady's dropped off really I think it has more to do with he de- you know he's missing Gronkowski he doesn't truly have uh, other than Edelman he doesn't really have a number one and Edelman's a slot guy he doesn't have a, a true number one and I think that's been part of his issues um, for the Broncos you have to put good talent starting with the offensive line Around whoever that next guy is, it's not going to be Philip Rivers. That makes no sense for me.
2: Just because you talk last doesn't mean you're right. The podcast is over.
1: Done. Done. Till next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Almost.